0: Tuesday night edition of the show. First chance to do a gamer in some time here. So, looking forward to getting that done. We're sponsored today by Tripping.com. Tripping.com slash Capspace aggregates together vacation rental sites. So, you don't have to go to a bunch of different ones. Tripping.com slash Capspace. Way to get started with them. Which of these games do you want to do first, And I thought they all had uh, their charms to be sure.
1: I think for me, we should start with the last one. I mean, that was, it was striking in terms of the way it happened. And and two of the three games we're going to talk about had actually all three had real playoff importance, which I think was fun, even though we're still, we're still five and a half weeks out or something like that. And so we'll start with the Clippers comeback win over the Denver Nuggets. And early on, I was thinking the, this, the story of this was uh, the return of Paul Millsap. Millsap came off the bench and the second unit looked really good early. Something I noticed that I hadn't really thought about too much with the Clippers is that they've been using Tate Osich and Lou Williams together. And that with Montrez Harrell as the center in those lineups, the Nuggets were getting a lot of dribble penetration and there just wasn't really anybody to stop it. And they were getting pretty reliable offense. I thought Millsap was a very solid defender for most of the, for the first half and then some of the third as well. And so you're sitting there and kind of building narrative like, oh, you know, the Clippers are playing fine, but the Nuggets have just been a little bit better. They're being helped by having this strong second. Unit because Millsap is inflating it for the time being, and then things just absolutely fell apart. Incidentally, with a lot of the same players that had that run in the first half.
0: As good as Millsap was defensively in the first half, where I thought he really made a difference. He took a charge. He had a couple of fantastic blocks out of nowhere. He's got great hands. He got a steal. He just got destroyed by Harrell in the Clips' big run, which at one point stretched to thirty to four in the second half, and in Denver led this, I think by as much as 18 early in the second and part of the reason why that happened is just because lou williams doesn't start for the la clippers austin rivers doesn't he actually wasn't bad in this game uh but lou will the big star again with 25 points 10 out of 18 i guess that maybe that's shorting bobon to say he was the big star but he played 36 minutes in essentially two 18 minute consecutive stints at the end of each half and was able to maintain it, his energy uh also had six assists as well providing that scoring impetus which they really don't have anyone else who can attack off the dribble the way lou can and the nuggets such a bad matchup for lou because they really just don't have anyone who can guard him their bigs are exceedingly slow uh especially jokic just had, had when he was in lou was running circles around him in pick and roll and he led the comeback uh as did one boban marjanovic
1: boban was excellent offensively in this game and while he had limitations on both ends of the floor largely relating to his size and his vertical is is not great but he's really tall and huge and has great hands and I think the hands were a central part of this so you're not throwing alley-oops to him like you are to DeAndre Jordan but you can throw the ball high he can catch it high and just throw it in the basket and the Nuggets both did not really have a great counter for that and also didn't execute the counters they did have there were a couple plays where they just needed to send a helper in the helper didn't get there in time you want to force that catch and pass rather than catch an easy shot and Boban was was huge I mean he had 18 points in 15 minutes five of eight from the field and a very important eight of nine from the line he is a capable free throw shooter five offensive rebounds and plus 27 in the aforementioned 15 minutes
0: yeah it was really the best game of his career you would have to say he may have had slightly better statistical games th- than this uh, and he's always been a permanent monster in the box score stats but to do it on the road in mile high altitude I mean that's one thing that he does not get enough credit for is just the great shape that he is in that you know he is just totally ripped you know and wasn't always that way i mean i saw him in summer league years ago i think he was playing for the hawks summer league team i'm like oh man who the hell is this stiff and he's worked on his touch so much he's got those huge soft hands as you said you know he is not a stiff at all he's a skilled guy and in the altitude of denver was able to play 15 consecutive minutes and really just wear out the nuggets players during those times with his effort and you mentioned him having some limitations defensively while well, you would have thought hey this is exactly the type of team that's going to kill him right you got Nikola Jokic a, a skilled shooting center uh, who can take him away from the rim you've got plenty of good pick and roll ball handlers who can pull up off the dribble and, and abuse him in, in space they love to run he won't be able to get back on defense and number one his strengths were so much that he just abused them offensively regardless and we'll get to how bad the notice defense was too in the second half just trush. but then Bobo. And also, I saw, I saw mean, can you remember a play where really his lack of mobility was taken advantage of? I thought he did a, a wonderful job overall, covering more ground than we've seen from him at any point
1: here. The only one I could think of, but I still think he did a good job on it, was at one point when they brought Jokic back in, they actually had Marjanovic on Wilson Chandler and Chandler just yeah, drove right. drove him. And I thought he did a decent enough job when you're comparing it to a center going against a small forward. But he did get beaten a little bit on that play. But that wasn't it wasn't catastrophic in an in any way shape or form and doc did do a couple I, of nice I mean, things. They,
0: they had they had like marjanovic and teodosic like yep. trapping pick and rolls and dho's and like forcing turnovers well, and like that, out on the floor and, and that incredible. does get
1: into something that we lose sight of sometimes that even a you know a big a big but limited defender the just the sheer size of him takes out the line of sight to a degree when you could when you just put him up on a guy's face and i thought there were a couple times where they actually really benefited from that that you just can't see the passing angle
0: yeah but again it all goes back to to him giving great effort and being in great shape right like someone like Hassan Whiteside for example is probably still more mobile than Boban is and more athletic than Boban is but Whiteside just you know he he'll never get out on the floor the way Boban did like he's and yeah you know what all right fine I get blown by I'll trust my teammates behind me and it was rare that he got blown by me one time he closed out on Jokic and forced to travel uh he got out on Chandler reasonably well also Chandler was having a nice game although he didn't shoot the three-ball well well, uh, and i I really just uh, was so impressed in that lineup that they had down the end it was lou williams tay dosage they went to austin rivers very late uh as more of a defensive substitution they had ty wallace and then they went back to tobias harris who who struggled in this one but at least was able to space the floor then they had harrell at the four and bobon at the five i think let's turn to the nuggets defense during that stretch um i thought Millsap in particular uh, against harrell he got beaten down floor a couple of times just looked really tight Hired in that second half stint for some reason which he wasn't at all in the first half where he's really active he couldn't keep up with harold and pick and roll i mean they're kind of trapping out in the pick and roll throwing it to harold and then milsap just you know was getting beaten off the dribble straight line by harold wilson chandler got beaten off the dribble once by harold for a key bucket in, in the last couple of minutes when they were trying to get it down to one possession it, it was really really ugly
1: there were also some plays that were just great shot making by lou williams he can do that and lou sure. pre- pre- prevents similar or different just he's just beats defenses sometimes but he wasn't given anything really challenging to beat in this game you you talked on the solo twitter nba show about the idea that you could try to force him a direction but he's so fast and so good with the ball in his hands that he can defy that more than almost anybody in the league and there were some times where that happened but i thought it was failures at multiple points with them it was at the initial contact a lot of times guys were getting by too quickly the the blow-bys with with harrell are one example of that and then the help just wasn't getting there a lot of the other times it was i brought this up before but wilson yeah. chandler not getting himself in and the lack of awareness kyp in terms of the nuggets on the non-shooters that the clippers had out there at certain yeah. moments but,
0: like there were a couple of times on the back side of pick
1: and rolls where will barton or chandler was guarding
0: ty wallace in the corner and instead of going to take boba on on the roll and getting into his shit and forcing a pass to the corner to ty wallace who is a total non-shooter from three you're like letting the the gravity of Ty Wallace keep you away from help responsibility. and they, it was the same case with Harrell a bunch of times really just as you said not knowing the personnel
1: do you want to talk a little bit about this game didn't have nearly as interesting an end of game as as some of the other ones did but there are a couple little nuggets that I, I think are, are worth talking about partially because they're dunked on chestnuts and I want to keep bringing them up because both these teams or one of them might make the playoffs
0: yeah we can start with Mike Malone this is the second time this season I don't know whether he was saying to foul or not it sounded like he was shaking his head like hey don't but this is twice now the other one in in OKC where they fouled in extremely foolish fashion when they could have just played defense and gotten the ball back instead they waited a long time and then ended up fouling when the other teams in the post mean, they were down by three with a four second differential and Wilson Chandler just fouls Lou Williams after letting like 13 seconds run off the clock for uh, first of all and Lou is a 90% free throw sure he makes both puts him up four i mean they could have had a chance tie there uh they eventually lucked into uh hitting a really tough three by gary harris after that then doc rivers uh, he did this a couple of times uh i i can't decide whether you or i dislike this more this advancing the ball before even trying to get it in bounds
1: i think i dislike it more but it's a it's a close call it's something that frustrates both of us and it's just a utilitarian thing it's not like trying to throw the ball in counts like dribbling it where you don't get to advance the ball you you do- do that just to give yourself another out and considering i mean we've seen some high profile inbound mistakes in the last couple days because teams are defending this well and at the end of the game they want to they get a big guy out there they do this and yes there are circumstances where your personnel isn't perfect but just give yourself a shot and you can do something with it and on that last one they ended up getting the ball to austin rivers and austin rivers isn't a good free throw shooter in the first place so if you called it if you hadn't called a timeout that would have been around the scenario they would have gotten anyway
0: yeah i'm not sure why necessarily they had austin rivers on the floor there's a, a career 65 free throw shooter when you just called time out to advance the ball you get your offensive guys on the floor and you could say oh well, well you know we might get stuck with like a teodosic or something instead but you know if teodosic makes both free throws to put you up for it doesn't matter that he sucks it at defense uh and now austin rivers because he was in and he missed the free throw he was in defensively and made up for it by stripping jamal Murray on the last play of the game um that was an interesting one to me too uh, murray I, they got the switch with harrell
1: wait before we get into He's that can i bring up yeah. a point yeah yeah. the nuggets took sure. way too long getting that ball up the floor they only had six seconds after rivers made the second of those two free throws to put them up by two points and basically the, the clippers weren't pressing it that hard and it was jokic and murray that were back there and they just kind of it took i think it was about the four yeah. second mark when he crossed half court and saying so they're going you know you lost a little bit of time to get some here and when it's only a two-point game it's not like oh Oh, I just gonna take the first three that's available you can you could do some things there and it didn't really seem like they had a plan which connected with what ended up happening with Wilson Ch- with uh sorry with G- with will Barton running his guy into Jamal Murray where there wasn't really an option for will Barton on that play
0: yeah and will I understand his frustration a little bit uh he had led the team in scoring in the first half did not get many attempts in the second half he had a number of possessions where he was like holding his arms up asking for the ball on the weak side while Jamal Murray was going to work and murray is the future there will barton may be re-signed but we'll see and so what barton did was as like jamal murray he's not gonna pass there like it's jamal murray you gotta know he's he's not gonna just throw it to you on the wing with three seconds left but instead of just spacing out what will barton did was he basically like ran towards murray to try to get a handoff and it was clear that the nuggets really had no play or plan uh and they didn't have a chance to get a timeout but there were free throws proceeding it they should have been able to at least get something going there but they ran a high pick and roll and then Barton just ran towards Murray to try to get a handoff and that just brought his man Rivers right into Murray's path and that's how Murray ended up getting stripped down two, you probably want to at least look for the 3 there uh but Murray just kind of dribbled into traffic i guess he was trying to get to the rim and it really had no play uh, ended up getting stripped and the game was over um
1: anything else you want to say on this one here it isn't entirely on the game itself but this had a, a massive impact i'll use the 530 projections as an example here the the clippers moved to actually above the pelicans, jazz and nuggets by virtue of what happened the last couple days in terms of their playoff odds. They're at 67% and now the nuggets are tied with the jazz at 55%, which is the lowest of this 10 team group.
0: Yeah, and in more conventional parlance, the nuggets would now be out of the playoffs if it started today despite having won 10 of 13 coming into this. They would be out of the playoffs if they started today uh, and that's uh that would be a big problem in Denver. I also just in general have have some concerns about the reintegration of Millsap. he's eventually going to go back to starting his three-pointer did not look good today he's shooting it with less hesitation but you know i think he's always going to be around a 33 three-point shooter uh fundamentally not a guy who has a ton of gravity and then they also are just they're going to the post to him a lot i don't really care for the Millsap plumley combination offensively i think you don't get quite enough spacing there and, and this nuggets team the way they like to run through stuff at, at the elbows get guys going back Door, they need that middle open. You know, they don't have amazing finishers. They don't have guys who are amazing off the dribble without a screen. But if you have that space and you have those, the threat of those backups, it opens up. You have got Millsap trying to post up, trying to ice. I mean, they already, I was already disappointed. They called a few post-ups for Millsap. They went okay. They had some good off ball action. They were able to get a, some back backdoor plays for a dunk for Murray out of out of a Millsap post up. But he's just, he's not good enough to beat guys one on one, other than just trying to draw a foul. Um, at age 32 33 undersized he's not beating like most even small forwards to score in the post so it should be more about transition deep post-ups handling at the elbows shooting three-pointers you know running some pick and roll with him rather than let's iso this guy yeah i get he's making 30 million dollars but he's just not good enough at that so we can move on here we're gonna do miami and philly as well also got to get to washington milwaukee those two games were also quite influential in the playoff right and quite close but first this is from tripping.com a site that aggregates together all of those inscrutable vacation rental sites you only have to go to one site i, I use vacation rental sites all the time i would go to vrbo i'd go to airbnb be all worried booking.com i would be worried that i wasn't finding the right one but with tripping.com i have got all of the options in front of me and if you haven't used a vacation rental site before if you always get hotels in a lot of situations such as the bachelor party that i'm playing you I mean, tripping.com to find a place when i go to portland for the hoop summit as well you're just getting a much better deal because you're not getting a separate room you know maybe you don't need someone to come in and like turn down your bed every time like so like why why pay for that you don't need like all of these extra things at a hotel you would like to have a big group of people stay together you'd like to have a common area to hang out maybe you can save money by cooking in the kitchen as well you don't want to have to pay for that terrible hotel wi-fi a lot of stuff and no matter where you're going at tripping.com, you can join the millions of travelers who find more savings and rates up to 80% less, as I was saying, uh, than traditional hotel rooms. So tripping, dot com slash capspace is that URL to find your perfect vacation rental. That slash capspace URL, easy to remember, we talk about it all the time in the program. Tripping.com slash capspace and let them know with that slash capspace URL that you came from us. Okay, let's just start with that, Danny. The decision, I, I know you've just been like absolutely changed at the bit here the decision to foul ben simmons in a tie game with 27 seconds left uh and philly had the ball
1: it was shocking at the time i mean it's just you don't see that where it was a tie game philly was in the bonus everyone knew it and to this point i haven't seen anything definitive from the miami writers about whether wade did it knowingly or there was a misinterpretation or whatever but part of what makes this fascinating is that it kind of it it makes for a conversation either way and the reason why it's for a con- makes for a conversation is the general structure of the constraints in play. So, Philadelphia has the ball, tie game, on the road, and with a 3-second differential, but Miami I believe still had a timeout left. You can take a lot of the time down if you you, you know, if you make the shot then actually you pro- you might a- actually have more time left just because the, the clock stops then. And but you of course then have to score. And what I enjoyed was after uh Kevin Pelton tweeted that it was a piece that Ken Pomeroy, who is the college basketball kind of statistics analysis guru that I I remember gravitating to when I started falling in love with college basketball. He did it on the NCAA terms, which the rules are different. A lot of the other structures are different. And he calculated that the break-even point for it with those rules was a free throw shooter shooting 57%. Ben Simmons is a 57% free throw shooter.
0: So I'm reading Manny Navarro's article that he beat Ryder for the Miami Herald right now. And apparently what happened was, you'll remember they're down three, three Wade gets fouled on three which was incredibly stupid play there to foul Wade on that I can't remember who it was I know who it was It was Dario Sarge this is the game where that's who it was that's right that's right and and there were there were only two refs because uh Rodney Mott got ill shortly after halftime and that was not a foul like Sarge had landed first of all before any contact took place and then Wade jumped to the side into him he did the Kevin Love jump sideways thing but with two referees there's a foul you shouldn't be jumping at Dwayne wade three-pointer there you he's just not a good three-point shooter Saric was in decent position to contest anyway also by the way sarich was the whole reason he got onto Wade to begin with was he made an incredibly dumb gamble at half court to try to steal the inbounds pass and then ended up being caught out of position in a switch and, and had to go guard wade so that was no good so wade though gets fouled and they weren't sure as they're trying to communicate whether he was going to hit all three free throws and so what spolstra said was he was trying to to not distract Wade as he's shooting the free throws, but what he wanted to do was that if Wade missed one of them and they were down, then they wanted to foul, which would have been an obvious foul situation. There was only a three second differential, I believe, it at the time. uh And so the miscommunication was that Wade just believed they're supposed to foul regardless in theory. But then Wade's quote was uh, it's exactly what he sa- said here. I'll read it verbatim I wanted to foul. I had confidence in myself that I was going to make all three they kept running that two five pick and roll and it was killing us i just felt playing the numbers the young fella to see him in that environment if he would have gone up there and made both we would have called time out and tried to figure it out but he got one and missed and that's what we needed and he goes on to basically say when they lost in new orleans they lost to the same play over and over again and he just i guess he just didn't really have a ton of confidence in their defense running the with uh the potentially running the clock down the sixers and getting the last well, shot and
1: dwayne wade had he had a lot of confidence and In the generation of offense that Miami had had in that primarily field or almost exclusively fueled by one Dwayne Wade, (laughs) yes,
0: yes, Uh, and Wade was uh, absolutely unbelievable down the stretch. I mean, it really it it was very much a throwback to what he was doing at times in the 2016 playoffs. And we said on the 15 and 60 that Wade had not been dominating the offense. It it had kind of been in their last game that was close. It was a a more egalitarian between. james johnson who wasn't even in by the way that was kind of weird they had kelly olenek in uh and and it's not like philly even was playing with two bigs or well, they do part of the game um but wade was just i mean he was hitting ridiculous mid-rangers he got two pump fakes one on Bun- ben simmons one on sharich uh and then he was able to just get into the lane for a lot of floaters uh, as well uh he hit a tough three it wasn't i mean i don't want to say this is sustainable for him you know it wasn't the greatest shots he can create shots he can avoid turning it over he can operate in pick and roll uh uh, especially if you're not switching him with long defenders you know i think if you've got good defensive players on him he's not going be able to create one-on-one necessarily but nonetheless he created good shots to, at least good enough to hit them in this game i just don't think that's the wade show is going to be the formula for this team in the clutch going forward it's a concern for me
1: no arguments here some of the stats because you don't get a chance to say these very often so i want to wade scored 15 yeah.
0: it's taking nothing away from what he did in yes
1: this game. he scored 15 of the team's final seven 17 points and assisted on the other basket. So the, the all five minutes of this game were they had all five in clutch time. 80.4 usage, 91.5 true shooting, and 100% assist percentage because he assisted on the only basket he didn't score.
0: People have been talking to me a lot about Ben Simmons. Even I've gotten a couple of messages like, hey, can Ben Simmons get some consideration for all defense? He's a great steals guy. He, he's strong. He's switchable. He had the primary assignment in large part uh, on Wade. They had Covington guarding Dragic. At a lot of the time and though I think the limitation for Simmons if you're really going to try and put him on another team's really good threat off the drill who has some size is his arms are pretty short he and he's not really a guy he's going to contain but he's not really going to pressure up and he doesn't have long enough arms to really contest that well and so like Wade who's way shorter than him was able to get pretty good looks and Simmons would be in position and you would expect oh by the 6'10 guy he's going to get a good contest but with his short arms, he wasn't really able to affect uh, the shot of Wade and so that's I think Simmons will be an adequate defender it's a great steals guy but as a one-on-one shutdown guy you know I don't see that in his future in part due to the lack of wingspan
1: there were also some parallels to the first game we talked about with a a young team had having an advantage and not really taking taking full advantage of it and one of the other elements that kind of ties in with that even though it was earlier in the game was Brett Brown going to Marco Bellinelli really early and giving him a lot of time in this game and while his shooting numbers were better than and jj reddick's Redick was only 4 of 14 from the field two of eight from three bellinelli's defense and some of his shot selection was just abysmal and that happens with him sometimes H-
0: has he ever made one of those crazy falling fadeaway threes to his right isn't
1: he made a career? couple of them in summer league I mean, I in like, like 2009 but or t- sorry like 07 <laughs> or something <laughs> like that and he's never stopped doing it since
0: well he and kelly Olynyk too. kelly Olynyk, like a month and a half ago i don't know whether it's the coaching staff telling him to do this or he just decided or what but all of a sudden he decided because he used to actually not have that versatile of a jump shot right like he could hit him but he w- wouldn't really get that many off all of a sudden he decided or maybe he's just watching too many too much of uh wayne ellington actually does make those shots and so now he's taking all these threes without his feet set and i haven't seen him hit one of them yet
1: and that actually ties in with one of the other stories of this game was wayne ellington he came in and he got i believe was a thigh contusion and he left the game i thought that was going to be pretty catastrophic for miami just because at certain moments in this game they're really looking for offense and then tyler johnson also left the game due to a knee thing i think he went knee-to-knee with ben simmons i haven't heard anything specific on him in terms of a diagnosis
0: yeah spo went nuts wanting an illegal that,
1: screen that wasn't the only NFL time spo worked. went nuts and that actually nearly ended up oh, mattering yeah. it was glorious i'm really happy our, our mutual friend Stephen no stefan no caught it and and was able to put it if you ha- i i i retweeted it basically what happened was and this was back when there were three officials i believe it was lauren Holdcamp was underneath the basket and just completely missed a goaltend. It looks like it actually goaltended twice by Joel Embiid and Spo just went completely insane. He comes into the frame from the left side from basically from half court and then he runs all the way the other way and he's just on the court flailing the whole time and they called him for a tech and they made the technical free throw and so you sit there in a game that was this close that could have ended up mattering to the final margin. The Heat ended up pulling it out anyway and then then on the Tyler Johnson play it was again that one I didn't see as much. Uh, I thought Simmons was kind of in place. It was just wrong place, wrong time type stuff. But you know, I can understand why Coach wants to stand up for his guy there because Johnson. You know, he's he's sitting there on the sideline, and it it looked to me like a judgment call. And on a judgment call, Coach is always going to sit with their guys.
0: One guy that we've been guilty on the podcast of not discussing enough is Dario Sarge You mentioned he, that he was a big part of their run in the third when he scored nine consecutive points in this one, and he ultimately finished with twenty one in this game. Three of seven from three and one of the big doubts about sharich was how's he gonna fit in to the ecosystem with ben simmons and Embiid. he's he was making hay last season having the ball in his hands especially when a bunch of those guys went down when Embiid went down being the main engine getting some post-ups and nonetheless he's managed to really maintain uh his scoring rate per 36 minutes 17 points per 36 minutes his assist rate three assists per 36 minutes rebounding he's get better on the offensive glass shooting about the same number of free throws much better percentage and now he's up to 38 percent from three this year he's getting more aggressive as a three-point shooter i'm not sure he's going to be quite that lovely because he does still shoot a pretty flat ball but you know he is spacing the floor this is a guy who was not supposed to start it was supposed to be markel fultz starting instead they started Saric once uh, it became clear that fultz uh, you know wasn't really going to be able to do anything Uh, and he's been very impressive Uh, the shooting has been great for him not the greatest two point percentage you'd like that to get higher over 50 percent and he is not he he doesn't really shoot very well uh, on anything outside of the rim area and but he still shoots 66 percent at the rim which is solid when you consider this is a team that doesn't have a lot of spacing and he only has 10 dunks on the year so you know at 610 he doesn't have very much explosion he can get blocked around the rim but he's crafty down there And, and then defensively he's another one of these guys like simmons simmons we at least thought had the physical tools sarge we didn't think had that but he's tough he's intense and he's been able to be a high minute guy on what is the number four defense in the nba and so he's he's really coming along and his ability to fit into this ecosystem with simmons and Embiid, who are not the easiest guys to fit with and then you know they he'll play someone with tj mcconnell who's not easy to fit there and i've just been impressed by how well he's been able to do a lot of that's dependent on the three-point shooting he's gonna have to keep that up but i think he's exceeded all reasonable expectations so far this season i didn't think necessarily necessarily he's going to be able to be a quality starter for this team and i've been proven wrong so far
1: and it's true on both ends of the floor i mean you think about how big the starting five for this team is i mean they're playing without a guy with point guard size or really point guard covington
0: guards the point guards a lot of times or simmons yeah and so
1: sharch is he has to bounce around a lot just by virtue of those lineups he's done a wonderful job there making those jump shots i'm amazed we've talked about this game as long as we have and we haven't discussed josh richardson's defense he is just smothering a lot of time he did foul jj Redick shooting a three i believe once maybe twice i think he did, might have done it once in the first half as well but he is just just everywhere on on ball handlers and everything like that and and i'm consistently impressed It's part of the reason i heartily enjoy watching the heat particularly on defense is just that he's a monster
0: yeah he one sequence he tracked reddick around a dho everyone was complaining that he pushed in the back but hey with only two reps, you might as well go for it if you don't get called for it you're you're intense enough and, and also when you start to be a really intense defensive player you start to give the benefit of the doubt and so he denied reddick got the steal went down for a dunk and then the next play reddick comes off a screen he he denies him pretty well reddick has to give it up hits Sharic underneath who pump fakes and then goes to make a pass and josh richardson comes down off of jj reddick 25 feet away from jj reddick and steals this in- interior pass this big to big interior pass and goes down the other way it really just fantastic work and i also really liked what we saw from justice winslow in this game uh winslow i thought really caused some problems for ben simmons pressuring him up i liked the fact that miami's strategy was hey we're gonna get either deny simmons off of rebounds we're gonna try to jam the outlets we're gonna pressure him up full court and winslow is the guy who has the physical tools to do that richardson obviously can also and simmons uh, in addition to missing one of those two free throws and then wade being able to hit the winning jump shot over him he really struggled to uh, only 11 points only nine shots six assists and i, I it's one of those those games that gives you a little bit of pause about Simmons because he's really if you put a good defender on him it's not really clear that he can create a ton of offense on his own especially if you take him out of the transition game so he's and there's another play too where a team they just switched and put Hassan Whiteside out of a pick and roll onto Simmons and Whiteside was just like all right I'm just gonna basically stand out of the rim. you want to go go at me Ben Simmons give me give your best shot and slow bigs can do that because he just has zero threat of the jump shot um did you want to talk about that last play that where reddick missed the the wide open three that could have won it
1: i'll I'll let you because i'm blanking on it at the moment
0: well I don't know that there's a, a ton to say about it Philly really got penetration threw it to the corner it was a great pass knowing exactly how much time was left to get Redick wide open at the top and Reddick just ganked it I mean and, and this may be unfair to Reddick. I'd be interested to look up like his career numbers in like the last minute of close games but it seems like he misses more than his fair share of like really good looks that could win or tie games in the last 30 seconds or so uh and this is I mean you're never going to see a great shooter more wide open than this in the clutch time of a game and he, he just missed it
1: two other things i wanted to bring up briefly the sixers went to something they've been doing a little bit more recently they the announcers called it the energy unit where they had Embiid and rashawn holmes playing together that lineup has been very successful this year they have a net rating of i think it's plus 24 which is shocking they haven't played that many minutes we're dealing with small sample size here and i think against certain teams once they figure out how to exploit that you know defensively sure if you play those guys together and the opponent doesn't have a lot of guys that require switching and all that it can work but offensively i think there are things to exploit the bigger story with this that i wanted to touch on was the sixers as is commonplace for them young team all this we've talked about on 1560s had some truly ghastly turnovers in this game and oh god the one that i that stuck out to all all
0: of the three losing teams tonight that we're going to talk about just had some just heads
1: and so the the one that I I tweeted about this at the time but it, it just it'll it'll stick with me probably for a month was MB did a beautiful defensive play got it got hustled out got a steal and so he's looking and it's, it's basically kind of a three-on-one but everybody's pretty close and he decides I'm gonna take a couple dribbles myself so he takes those dribbles and then the guys start catching up because he's not as fast with the ball in his hands as other guys are running full out doesn't pass the ball to Simmons then floats a pass to TJ McConnell which was too high and McConnell partially because he he couldn't really corral it and partially because the only angle he saw he even tries to throw this ridiculously audacious behind the back pass i believe it was to Redick, and the ball just flies out of bounds and so he's just sitting they're going okay first of all there should have been a turnover before the turnover that actually happened but it's like you just just make the easy play get it together and trust that you can out execute these teams instead of trying to do what's fun because the stakes for the sixers are about to get a whole hell of a lot higher
0: yeah and they the combination of not a ton of spacing and young guys who are still learning what they can be in the NBA is not a great one and Redick even had a couple of just miserable turnovers as well he can be prone to those sometimes and this is a team that pressures you up and makes you uncomfortable to be sure but yeah and it's just the Sixers team is such an enigma you know I can't remember an analog you've got Ben Simmons who is a 6'10 point guard who can't shoot outside of three feet and Bede is just this post-up dinosaur but who can still be unstoppable and, and protects the rim. he's an athletic freak and then you've got one awesome shooter but basically nobody else who who really is that great of a shooter and Covington is a a a great defensive player but a very streaky shooter himself Sharich is a very unique player as a team overall they have all these guys who just can't shoot or have very severe strengths and weaknesses at the same time and you just wonder how that's going to look in the playoffs my inclination especially with Brett Brown being untested we talked about this on the 15 to 60 is that it's not going to go as well in the playoffs when teams can really lock in on what their weaknesses are but maybe just as they have all season really they will just power through because they just have so much such severe strengths and, and such talent despite the fact that it's a, a weirdly built
1: team during this game i had two thoughts in almost immediate succession one was i'm more interested in seeing this sixers team in the playoffs than any team in recent memory then the second one was oh yeah. yeah the houston rockets are still a thing so i i probably have them behind the rockets just with the cp james harden thing and because they can do a lot more than the sixers can but those two teams i mean we're going to see something totally different and I'm, I'm I'm already excited about it now the Sixers just have to make the goddamn playoffs
0: so if you want to see something else that's totally different in the basketball arena Steph Curry's master class is a once-in-a-lifetime opportunity to learn from one of the greatest shooters in NBA history over four hours of movie quality video lessons Steph teaches you perfect shooting mechanics there's also this really funny demonstration of what not to do in these videos I don't know who this guy was I'll have to ask Steph actually who the guy was who, who did these demonstrations where like he, he just like puts both of his toes in like crazy when he goes up for the shot like looks like he, if he jumps he's just gonna break his legs or something uh so not only is it just specifically how to shoot the ball there's scoring techniques there's how to work off of screens how to create space it really is a outstanding i've learned a lot from it sadly i have a sprained ankle i've not been able to get out there on the court and actually try to apply any of this stuff yet but what's so interesting about this is it's both Seth's class and the rest of these master classes is it really is an actual class where they give you drills to do they give you worksheets it's something that you can go through instead of just okay here's this 20 minute video it's uh, over 4 hours and you go through each class and you can progress through it and, and track your progress and there's a bunch of other classes that are really interesting as well Bob Woodward has one on investigative journalism that I, I'm totally going to watch uh, cuz you know maybe I could actually report something on this show every once in a while instead of just uh, flapping my gums about what my opinion is and what masterclass is really pushing here here is their all access pass which unlocks every classroom with 30 masters all for the price of two so you've got all sorts of fantastic cooks that you can learn from as well a buddy of mine has actually been really complimentary of the one that they have for writing Malcolm Gladwell t- teaches that one Annie Leibovitz teaches photography they're really anything that you want to learn masterclass has a class for it, and you can get all of those just for the price of two the way to get started, masterclass com slash capspace is the url easier to run capspace we talk about all the time in the program that's masterclass.com slash capspace once again masterclass.com slash capspace let them know that you came from us so this washington milwaukee game lots of stuff happened late we'll talk about all of that but that 14-0 washington run to start the game really sunk the bucks they spent the entire game trying to fight back and despite getting it within two within one they never got over the hump uh, to get a lead
1: not only 14-0 but 24-5 i believe was at one point yeah. and that's not insurmountable but it's pretty dang close against the team as as good as the Wizards have been and there were some uncharacteristic elements of, of the Bucks comeback but the starting five was just hammering on all cylinders they were playing good defense I thought they were getting out making shots hard and then they were just hitting everything Beal had a couple of nice makes Mark Marky Morris started the game with a three and so you're kind of saying they're going okay it's, it might be that kind of game here and the Wizards so, so you're kind of going in that direction and then the rest of the game I thought the Wizards were outplayed by the Bucks, but when you start with a 19-point cushion, that doesn't matter as much.
0: The big theme for me here outside of that 40-point Wizards first quarter was it just seemed like the Bucks spent the entire game shooting themselves in the foot and strategically they've been a little bit better as we've mentioned, you know, they're not trapping as much. The scheme at least is more conservative, but we still saw them making all sorts of weird gambles, especially down the end of the game. The three that Brad Beal hit uh that ended up providing the winning margin with uh their late clock Markeith Morris gets the ball at the top Giannis is right there goes for a pretty weak pump fake I mean he's right on Markeith Morris he's not a great three-point shooter he's a couple steps beyond the arc Giannis goes for the pump fake and then Eric Bledsoe one pass away comes off of Bradley Beal who's their one really great three-point shooter I guess Porter is too but Beal is the guy that you're really that worried about Bledsoe comes off of him I guess thinking that there was too little time and Markeith Morris just it right to Beal and Beal just hits a wide open three, and it's just one of those plays where, all right, if Giannis just stays solid, and then if Eric Bledsoe just let Marquise take that three instead of leaving Brad Beal a much better shooter wide open, you're probably going to force a miss there. And that was typical. I mean, they had another play where they switched pick and roll, and then Bledsoe just wasn't really on Marquise Morris, and he rumbled down the lane for a, a dunk. And overall, the Bucks they gave up 12 shots in the restricted area in the first quarter and 39 for the game, which is much worse than the worst team over the course of the season and that's all the more galling because as you pointed out in the 15 and 60 the wizards really have not been getting to the rim hardly at all uh since john wall has been up
1: the wizards also got 22 free throws in this game and milwaukee was fortunate that they missed six of those 22 i mean if they had made a couple more of those then maybe they couldn't even made up the margin but i think one of the other important parts of this game was jabari parker coming off the bench getting offense and also i i enjoyed the minutes that he played with eric bledsoe the two of those guys just just getting into it and and having multiple guys that can create offense for themselves and others on the floor without Giannis is something they've been sorely lacking
0: yeah in part because they also hadn't really they would have lineups where they'd have just Middleton or just Bledsoe out there um yeah and as good as Parker was I I thought his three ball looked good they went to four or five pick and roll to get him onto Jan Mahimi he hit a couple of jumpers in Jan Mahimi's eye Parker is still not the greatest finisher at the rim it looks like you know he'll kind of get in there and throw up a floater he did get a couple of fouls but they thought they were somewhat soft calls you know he's not going to really power through guys as much and get to the foul line although lebron james would tell you that powering to the rim just doesn't get anybody at the foul line anymore that they just want to protect uh, those sexy shooters since chicks dig the long ball he brought that phrase back
1: it's a shame we're not talking about that game but we had other priorities
0: <laughs> yeah i didn't see quite enough of that really to talk to you. i only watched maybe the last six minutes or so uh suffice to just say cleveland's uh, defensive issues don't appear to be fixed yet uh from a communication standpoint um but yeah jabari and then defensively you know it's good to see him looking like jabari parker like he he doesn't look you know if you compare him to last year you know he doesn't look like the way isaiah thomas looks this year compared to last year you know i think he he looks like the guy that, that we've expected i haven't seen him get up for some crazy dunks but he hit a couple of plays where he got a, a grab and go where he's been such a terror and made some nice plays there uh through a couple nice passes though he also missed a couple of, of key passes as well and he really remains just an absolute sieve uh, on defense though and i think that's what we've seen from the guys generally who come back from ACLs, just anecdotally and jabari was bad enough obviously defensively last year though he made some very small strides uh he's given all that back i mean just basically anytime anybody put it on the floor just straight line drive right to the rim against him and he's also a porous help defender
1: they're gonna have to figure out some of these dynamics and i hope that we get to see whether jabari's at the four or not see more of Giannis at center just intellectually it's it, no. it opens up some things because they're best players you know like there is the whole you know smalls versus bigs going back to the old Boston Celtics and everything like that but in this case it's even more true because their best players are just smaller especially when they get Malcolm Brogdon back
0: yeah and even this way I, I thought that their lineup choices down the end did not make a ton of sense I mean I know Jabari had the 19 points uh, and they uh, he's a big part of the future he's got to close games for them eventually I thought that Tony Snell actually was really good defensively he had two Deals and two block um was a part of some of their best sequences to me and that they needed him defensively there they were struggling to stop people so they took snell out they went back with parker but then why you wouldn't just go with Giannis at center middleton parker bledsoe snell i think could have been a much better group meanwhile everyone was going crazy that Gortot was in for washington at the end instead of them going with a, a more versatile lineup uh they finally went with back to Saturansky at at the very end um but Gortat was out there the whole time at one point they had Beal at point guard Porter at the 2 Oubre at 3 Morris at 4 and Gortat at 5 that was an interesting lineup as well uh Oubre had an unbelievable dunk by the way in this one over John Henson it was uh it was all a little bit odd and then uh I don't know anything else you wanted to say about the meat of this game before we talk about that very last play
1: No let's let's get to that Oh
0: I did have one other thing I wanted to say which uh, two things actually one was i talked about the bucks shooting themselves in the foot the the defensive mistakes giving up a lot of layups was one another one was just some really asinine turnovers especially in transition off of misses and the bucks got out and run pretty frequently uh 20 of their possessions were in transition but despite that they only added 1.2 points in the game uh, from their transition play and the reason for that was they were really inefficient especially when they ran off of live rebounds i and there was one sequence especially when they were up they were down 70 to 64 they ended up actually getting within two before the whiz bench answered pretty nicely to push the lead back up but they had three possessions in a row where they were really getting great steals Giannis had a steal Snell had a steal I think Bledsoe had one they had four steals in the first six minutes of the third quarter and just weren't able to turn those into points uh Middleton in particular just flubbed two and row. he tried to throw two alley-oops in a row and both of them ended up just going out of bounds and. and uh or, or just or getting intercepted. So that was one. And then the other thing about Middleton, I've uh, this has been a refrain of mine for two years now. So bear with me. But uh, there were just specific plays in this game where it's not only that he doesn't space the floor a lot and he wants to just do stuff off the dribble. And hey, you know, guess what, Chris? Like especially now that Jabari's back, Eric Bledsoe, Giannis Antetokounmpo, and Jabari Parker are a lot better at scoring one on one than you are. But he caught the ball at the three point line a number of times and just wasn't even looking to take the shot. You know. He, he just would like immediately was putting the ball on the floor and just driving into traffic a couple of times he was successful he had a, an and one uh, on a floater on the left baseline which was a really dumb foul by the wizards uh that got the bucks back into contact in a two-for-one situation after beal hit that three but he just like he catches the ball at the three-point line and he's a 40 percent three-point shooter. And he just doesn't want to take a three-pointer he wants to just drive into more traffic and guess what like the rest of these dudes aren't spacing the floor for you man <laughs> like you're just rolling into traffic and throwing up a Contested floater. So that's very frustrating to me. The last play after that middleton shot uh with 50 seconds left at Floater, they played good defense. Giannis blocked Saturanti's Desperation 3, and it was a shot clock violation. The Bucks just took forever. They tried to get Bledsoe and Giannis in pick and roll. There were a bunch of switches, nobody got anywhere. Finally, they got the ball to Giannis uh, on the block against Markeef. They were unable to get the switch in the mismatch. Also, during this time, you know, they have they had Jabbar on the floor for a lot of these defensive possessions when they could have gone offense defense uh, with Snell uh and Giannis to me this game showed some of his limitations still despite how great he has been as a one-on-one player he's not really at the top echelon of the league to me you know he's not really able to beat guys off the dribble in a straight line because they can lay off of him a little bit uh he doesn't really have a ton of moves you know he's got basically just a crossover and, and that's about it you know he doesn't operate and pick and roll that well he's just kind of almost too. Too high off the floor and too long. But you know, unlike someone like KD, he can't use the threat of his jump shot to go by the guys. So he's got to kind of back into position and then hope that he can just rise up over the top or go to a step through or something like that. And he's reliant in these situations on going to a 15 foot fadeaway jump shot over the top of the defense. And you know, he's still shooting 35% on twos away from the rim this season. And that was the tough shot that he missed. And then of course, I thought the wizards got away with a massive foul Henson should have had the offense board Gortat just shoved him right in the small of the back forced him to miss the tip in and there was no call on that one
1: and then those are of course frustrating because they really swing games and while it is you know they go uncalled very often it's I I still get bothered by that a lot and you know of course it was a a two-point game if that yeah before
0: and it was also like he got his hand on the ball he was attempting Mm -hmm. a tip shot like and it clearly affected it you know it wasn't a situation where it's like all right it bounces 10 feet over the guy's head you know it's like the uncatchable pass rule and pass interference in football where it's like all right we're not going to call this it didn't affect anything like he had his hand on the ball he was about to tip it in he got shoved in the back and uh they just didn't see it So i think we can probably call it quits here for tonight haven't decided what we're going to do tomorrow we got to catch up on a lot of news obviously this went pretty long so we'll skip that for today gotta see what danny has to say about jimmy butler and a little bit more news on the Kawhi front as well catch up on on some of the injuries and some of this tanking talk around the league. as well, so we'll get to that. Also, Stitcher Premium, we're coming out with our NBA owner rankings. We recorded that earlier today. That was really fun. That should be out tomorrow. If you want to subscribe to us uh, at Stitcher Premium, don't worry, no reduction, <laughs> reduction, reduction. <laughs> an
1: unnecessary hey, you pun. Muted
0: and you actually laughed that time.
1: Yeah. Well, it also because so I'll I'll, I'll lead to that and some do it that no reduction in the Patreon content. We're still doing. We're gonna we have a mailbag coming up. I actually just posted something cool. The so I created and you saw it an Excel spreadsheet with the kind of some of the remaining schedule stuff like how many back-to-backs and games versus the bottom eight and all that and so that will be available to patreon subscribers i figured out how to do that through a shareable google doc and then one other thing of my own to promote uh, i i did a piece for real gm on basketball without borders which i went to for a couple of the days at all star and really enjoyed and i will not do a danny story time on it because i do not want to butcher all of these young gentlemen's names at this point i will save that until they are adults and then i can butcher their names but i i had fun at it and so. So it's kind of like I, I like to think of it as a time capsule because I had basically zero familiarity with almost every single one of them. So you can check that out and just kind of file it away as the kind of an MBA analyst perspective on these 16 and 17 year old guys who made me feel intensely old because all of them were born 2000 or later.
0: was the other guy Philly drafted with the 26th pick from Orlando this year again?
1: Andres Poshniks.
0: Uh, you know what? I was uh, uh, you're aping me, and unfortunately, I had it wrong. Uh, a Lithuanian buddy of mine told me that it's i'm going to do going from memory here on
1: jack's passage oh actually i think i've remembered hearing that before so that makes sense but yeah there were a lot of a lot of tough names in that and basketball without borders it's a wonderful program i'm really happy i got to go this was the first time i've ever gotten to do it and i i heartily enjoyed the experience and especially because i'm not going to get to do the hoop summit this year I, i'm very happy it happened all right that's
0: enough for today uh we will be back tomorrow thanks so much for listening till then